Welcome to SLP Learning Series, a podcast series presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. The SLP Learning Series explores various topics of speech-language pathology. Each season dives deeper into a topic with a different host and guest who are leaders in the field. Some topics include stuttering, AAC, sports concussion, teletherapy, ethics, and more. Each episode has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com and is available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. Now, come along with us as we look closer into the many topics of speech-language pathology. like we are on and ready. Thank you everybody for joining us on this really exciting journey of self-discovery and growth. I'm your host, Stephanie Michelle Swigert. I'm the speechtherapypd.com host for Shift Makers, this podcast. I am licensed as a school-based practicing SLP in Los Angeles, California. And I also hold a certification as a teacher of mindfulness, meditation, and compassion-based practices. My pronouns are she, her. And I just want to give a warm welcome to everybody, to all of our listeners that are here in this community. Thank you to speechtherapypd.com for this amazing opportunity that we have for holistic self-development. So very important. It really meets my needs for connection with all of you, for my own personal growth, for your growth as well, for contribution and for just being able to be a part of this amazing community. So before we get started, we do have a few items to alert you to. Each episode is 60 minutes and it will be offered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. Here are some financial and non-financial disclosures for myself, financial disclosures. I am the owner of a non-public agency in Southern California called Golden State Speech Pathology Services. This is a staffing agency. And I'm also the developer of two digital courses, the framework to becoming a mindful speech clinician in which I receive payments for, and also for a digital course called Shift Makers 1.0. I also receive an honorarium for the podcast and the episodes and all the presentations that I do with speechtherapypd.com. As far as non-financial disclosures, I do not have any at this time. Normally we would share about our guests, financial and non-financial disclosures. However, I'll give you a little more insight to about our guest in just a second. So that's the first little topic of our first little piece of agenda that we have. What I want to do before we really dive into today's conversation is I want to take a moment just to recenter ourselves. So wherever you are, unless of course you're driving in the car at this moment, if you're at home, if you're in the office, Find a comfortable seat, close your eyes maybe if you can, that's why I don't recommend it if you are driving a vehicle, and let's together collectively just take a deep, calming breath together. You're going to go ahead and just inhale deeply through your nose, feeling the air fill fill up your lungs, and then you're just going to exhale slowly through your mouth. This is just releasing any tension or any stress from the day. Anything that you are carrying along from your day, we'll do this together, letting go of everything on our plates that we have, just really joining together with me right now in this present moment. Again, a big deep breath in and out. Thank you for participating in that with me. And now we are ready to fully embrace our journey ahead. I hope you are ready to dive in 
and you've got your chat box ready to go. I wanted to share that our guest for this particular discussion has opted not to appear live on the air, and we absolutely respect their choice and we value their privacy as well. However, they have generously provided us with a very detailed case scenario via a questionnaire. And we believe that their particular experience is incredibly valuable to explore. And I do want to point out that we do have permission to do so. So for today's episode, I'll be sharing their insights and their story on their behalf. So thank you for understanding and respecting our guest choice. Let's move forward with the conversation and the issues that our guest has navigated and is navigating. I do want to point out that this episode, it's not just a one-way conversation, but it's really going to be this shared experience. So if you're joining us live, feel free to engage through the chat box because your questions, your comments, your insights, they're not just welcomed, but they are highly encouraged. I love interactive learning, and I hope you do too. I prepared something really special for you. That is the workbook that goes along with this episode and the episodes that are to come. So if you got the handout from speechtherapypd.com, there is a QR code that is listed on that handout where you can download the workbook. And this workbook happens to have a page that's going to feature Marshall Rosenberg's universal feelings and needs. It's a chart and we're gonna be working through this tool. It's gonna really be our guide today as we navigate our guest topic. And I wanna invite you to use this vocabulary, the universal feelings and needs, as we're going to kind of discuss our guests' experience or experiences that they're sharing, because I want us to begin right away to practice compassionate communication together. So I wanna know of everybody that's here, give me a shout out right now in the chat box if you have already downloaded this free workbook on speechtherapy.com, speechtherapypd.com. Let me see if anybody here saw that handout or if anybody still needs that, make sure you go ahead and grab that because your participation, it really makes this podcast a community and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. So if you haven't already, go ahead, grab that QR code, have that handout ready, and we're gonna dive into today's conversation that's not just informative, but interactive. So thank you for being here. I see Margaret's here. She hasn't downloaded it, but she put yet. So Margaret, thank you for letting us know. Go ahead and make sure you grab that workbook because even after this episode, that framework, those guides, those vocabulary, banks are really going to help you reframe your journaling, your emails, your texts, and all the conversations that you're having both personally and professionally. All right. Our case scenario that we are working through today on this episode, I'm going to give you the exact words from our guests that we have permission to share. And this comes directly from a questionnaire that they filled out. And here's what they said. So this is a direct quote. As a contract SLP in a school, I have experienced a micromanagement atmosphere. One of the campus special education coordinators often wrote emails CC to the head of the district special education department, my direct manager at the contract company, and all administrators at the school. I felt discouraged and angry, to be very honest, though I realized her main intention was most likely to protect herself and her job. I let her know it was discouraging and she seemed sincere when she said that in the future, she would run issues by me before sending emails, but she continued to send these negative emails, never talking with me first. In addition, this campus coordinator and administrators have been very difficult towards my contract company regarding billing, requiring overly detailed timesheets from me. I was extremely stressed and eventually left the position at the school as well as the contract company. 
I was tempted to go to the district special education head and let her know how awful this micromanagement atmosphere was for me, as well as my therapy assistants. Should I have reported my experiences to the district head and or campus administrators? Why are SLPs often treated disrespectfully in the schools? Do other special education professionals and school administrators have any idea how many responsibilities SLPs have? How can SLPs change these destructive job situations? All right, and that's the end quote from our guest. Ooh, I just wanna take a, a quick moment of gratitude for the guest for really being open-minded to bringing this information to us and willing to, to be vulnerable. I think it takes some vulnerability. I think it takes courage to be able to share this information, to share your experience and what's alive for you. So, and I think it's very relatable. So I, I definitely think your experience is a teachable moment for so many. So a moment of gratitude, if you are on with us live or if you are out there listening later, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to share what is real for you. Oh, Eileen got the workbook. Yay, Eileen. Awesome. All right, I'm going to head back over to my chat box. If everybody wants to head over there, give me a little shout out. Anybody, any of you here today, if those of you who have experienced what you think is micromanagement in the job, negative emails, or maybe if you felt disrespected, you can even shout out just those terms. You can type in micromanagement. You can type in disrespect. You can type in negativity in the chat box. I want to just see in our community, if anybody in the workplace has experienced any of this or can relate to our guests. So I'm going to head over to the chat box and see. I know I personally have experienced all of the above, so I can definitely relate to times where I thought I was being disrespected and I was needing more respect in the workplace. Definitely times where I was even responsible for sending negative emails because it was like I didn't hit open mouth, insert foot, where you might have heard on other podcasts I, I've been on, I've, I've shared a story about an email I was super embarrassed about later after having sent out. I was like, what did I do? What did I say? And it definitely did not win me friends in the workplace. So I'm wondering if this is relatable for anybody here. And I want to invite all of you who are listening just to do a, do a self-check-in. And what this means is Maybe you can, you can share, maybe you think about it out loud, or you can share what's alive for you right now in this moment together when we hear these things. Are there any feelings that maybe come up for you when you think about micromanagement, what it feels like to be micromanaged, or if you've experienced it? Katie, yes, an individual not honoring my expertise, saying a student required services when they did not require in order to access their general education curriculum. Katie can relate. Thank you, Katie, for sharing. Yes. Anybody else, anything that's alive for you when you think about that, I invite you just to type it in or think aloud. And again, we can use universal feelings, which is the vocabulary from the workbook. So when you think about micromanagement or negative emails or disrespect, what feelings kind of get conjured up? I know I get angry. <laughs> I get really angry when there's disrespect, right? Sometimes I feel annoyed. I get really annoyed, right? Because I have a need for, when it comes to micromanagement, I have a need for trust and I have a need for autonomy, right? To be able to, to be myself. And if I'm disrespected in the workplace, anger is the first thing that I think of. I get angry. Anger is a natural emotion for me. I also, at times, if I'm disrespected and I think I'm disrespected in an IEP meeting, I get embarrassed, right? Because I, I think the spotlight is on me if it's done publicly. So I have those feelings of embarrassment. 
And again, if negative emails are coming my way, I've gotten negative text messages that are come, for, come my way. I notice that the feelings that come up for me are irritated. I get really, really irritated or I might be confused. I might be looking at the text thinking, where did this come from? Why are they saying this? Like what, what's going on right now? So a lot of different feelings that can be conjured up from that. So it's really important for us to recognize our emotions that are alive and present and bringing that self-awareness, coming back to ourselves and checking out what's going on for me in this moment. What's going on for us? Because emotions carry so much wisdom. And we're going to talk a little bit more on that later. But let's get back to the story from our guest. Okay. And if our guest was here live and they had just told me their story and, and shared with me, that's a heavy story. There's a lot going on in that story. I want to be an active listener. I want to show them that I'm here with you. Right. And the way that I can do that active listening is I could recap what I just heard them say. And we do this also to make sure that we're on the same page with our communication partners moving forward in the conversation. If I'm a school-based SLP and a parent sharing something in an IEP meeting, even if I don't agree with it, I'm listening and I want to repeat back, okay, this is what you're saying right now. This is what's happening for you. This is what you're thinking. This is what you're feeling. And what we do is we say it right back just the way that we heard it without adding any of our evaluation to it. This lets them know, I'm here with you. I'm present. I hear what you're saying. So for my guest, my guest that's sharing the story that I just told you about, I might say something to them along the lines of, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is you are a contract SLP in a school. And it sounds like you're kind of describing to me a challenging work environment that is marked by micromanagement. And it sounds like maybe the campus special education coordinator is frequently sending negative emails and it's copied to various high level authorities. And this is causing a lot of frustration for you. Is that right? And despite you expressing your concerns about this, the coordinator seems to have continued to send out these emails without prior communication to you. And it also sounds like maybe there are some billing issues. And with these billing issues, it's further intensifying stress for you. Is that right? Like the stress is, is leading you to leave both your school position and your contract company. And now maybe you're feeling a little tempted to go and report to the higher ups or the district special education head about this micromanagement that you've experienced. And, and now this is causing you to have some questions. You've got some questions where, you know, you're wondering why SLPs are treated disrespectfully in the schools. And you're wondering if other professionals really understand SLP responsibilities. It sounds like you're not really clear on maybe what other professionals know about our duties and our roles. And you're also wondering how maybe SLPs can take part collectively in addressing and changing some of these destructive job situations. So again, we're recapping. We're recapping what we've heard, the parts that we can remember, the parts that we can hold on to without our evaluation, without our interpretation, because what's happening is this is now a form of connection with the person that we are listening to. And at times, people feel alone and they just want to be heard and they just want to be seen and they just want to be acknowledged. And on the flip side, if you say something back, to the parent, to the advocate, to a coworker that they were expressing to you, and you didn't get it right, you didn't hear it correctly, this also gives the speaker an opportunity to 
clarify or to say, well, not exactly. I wasn't feeling that way. I was feeling this way. Well, no, that didn't exactly happen that way. It was more like this. And it brings us now onto the same page. And that's so very important. So that's the first thing we can look at is when someone is sharing their experiences or their story, emptying out our faculties without adding our judgments, our evaluations, our, our biases, or thinking about what we want to say next. We're fully present and we listen to what they're saying and we recap it back and we're saying, okay, this is what I'm hearing you say. Did I get that right? That you were observing this, that you were feeling that. Is that right? And it lets you know I'm I'm here with you. I want all of you right now to kind of, and without maybe diving into your own specific stories in your mind, but I want to invite each of you now to kind of reflect on what brought you to this podcast or to this specific episode on compassionate communication. So generally speaking, what are you hoping to learn from our conversation today? And I want you to feel free to share your thoughts or your expectations in the chat box or engage with others to see if your insights align. But I really want to make this a collective exploration of valuable takeaways. So feel free to throw it in the chat box on what brought you here, even if it's just live CEUs. <laughs> that's, that's great, too. But let's get a look at our audience and just see some of the reasons that brought you here today. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I invite that as anybody is welcome to put it in the chat box. Aside from the fact that it's our first learning objective in this episode about learning about our whys, it's really important if you don't know your why, it's important to be clear with yourself about how you hope to benefit or what you hope to gain from learning and using compassionate communication strategies. Because this becomes your why that reminds you over and over again, the reason for your commitment to the practice of NVC. And NVC is the acronym for nonviolent communication, also known as compassionate communication. Because times are gonna get tough, they will. And it'll be hard to continue to remember to use our compassionate communication, especially when things get really heated or challenging. So when times get, get a bit tough, or maybe our practice of compassionate communication is going to the wayside, we come back to our why. We can remind ourselves of our why to motivate us to get back to the practice of how we are speaking, listening, and hearing others. So my why for learning NBC was that I was really ready to move away from my old habits. And these were reactivity and overreactivity to situations and saying whatever was on my mind, whatever came up with no filter, with no pause, just kind of, I think we call that verbal vomit, right? And then kind of regretting it later, some of the things that we said. And this is professionally, personally and professionally, because I, I really believe that the person is the professional. Well, this way of being, it didn't serve me. And it certainly didn't add joy to my life or to my relationships, that's my why, right? And for everyone listening, it's really important to establish your why. Think about what is your why and keep it close to you. Keep it close to you as a reminder when you're learning this new intentional practice or skill development. And as a tip or strategy offering, take notes on this if you like, I gently want to invite everyone that while we're working through this process together, while we're learning compassionate communication together, you can feel comfortable taking your time before responding or before rushing to type something in the chat box. 
Because sometimes I know that I personally feel really uncomfortable in dead air when it's like quiet and everyone's looking at me like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know what I think, especially in challenging conversations, right? Oftentimes I'm like, I rush to just say something to fill that space, right? I want to fill that space because it's so awkward and uncomfortable and hard to sit in that space. But in rushing, what happens is I lose that thoughtful intention, that thoughtful intention of what I wanted to say. So this is really an invitation for everyone to really develop that pause between stimulus and response. And my favorite quote is from Frankel Victor. And he says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I just love that. And for those of you that find it difficult to take a pause to collect your, your thoughts, you can always use a scripted sentence too, okay? So turn-taking, you know, is your turn in the conversation and you want to pause, you've got that dead air and you're feeling uncomfortable, throw out a sentence such as, you know what? I really want to be intentional in my response to you and take some time to think about my answer. Would it be okay if we came back to this question later or connected at a later time? Because this gives you that choice and that space to open up and explore what you would like to say a bit more. And I see Margaret in our chat. She says, I'd like to learn how to better communicate with families around difficult topics regarding their child's challenges so I can be clear and yet still keep the parent hopeful and invested in their therapy. Yes, thank you, Margaret. That's beautiful. And Katie says, Maybe this is Katie's why, how to best approach difficult conversations when there are disagreements. Mm -hmm. I like how you start by restating what was said to ensure we are listening and not just listening in order to respond. It is okay to pause. Yes. Thank you, Katie. Excellent. All right. So let's move on now to our second objective in this podcast episode. And this is really to explore how can we develop and strengthen that pause? How do we do it? What do we need to know? So I wanted to suggest a quick few strategies that you can note and maybe dive deeper into in your own time, over time, to continue to strengthen that pause, again, that space between stimulus and response. So you can really show up as your authentic, true, intentional, and conscious self. So let me give you three little tips. The first one is mindful breathing, which we kind of did when we opened this episode together. We're going to practice mindful breathing exercises to become aware of our breath, right? So before we go to respond, we can take a slow, deep breath in and exhale slowly. And this simple pause can just give you an opportunity to collect your thoughts. And you don't have to make it audible. If that's awkward, you can just take a moment to notice the in-breath coming in through your nostrils and the out-breath. The second one is, the second strategy is uh, implement a three-second rule. I know kids, my kid has a 10 second rule for picking up food off the floor and still eating it. <laughs> so you can have your own couple second rule. You can make it a three second rule or a four second rule. And what this means is you can challenge yourself to wait at least three seconds before responding to someone else. And what you're doing is you're using this time to fully process what the other person has said and then to consider your response thoughtfully, right? So someone speaks and we think, and then we respond if we've collected our thoughts. Again, if you haven't collected your thoughts or you still think you're rushing to speak, you can go back to that statement of putting a pin in it. I want to be really intentional in my response. Can we connect on this later? 
or I need a little bit more time to think about my answer, I'll get back to you. Whatever works best for you in your own words. And then the third technique is really active listening techniques to strengthen that pause. And this is, again, just focus on active listening by fully concentrating on the speaker. And I think this is what somebody was saying in the chat box about how, yes, it was Katie, about how we're not thinking about what it is that we have to respond with, right? So instead of formulating your response, I'm I'm guilty of this. I, I have to be mindful where I see that I'm doing it and I tell myself, to stop. And if that answer's in my mind, don't worry, it'll be there later. And if it's not, that's okay. There might be a new answer, but I have to see that. I have to let it go and bring my presence back to the speaker to really understand their message completely. And again, to be able to recast it back. And even in that recasting back, that's why that's the third step of the strategy, because this natural pause in hearing them and taking the space to recite it back can give us a little bit more time to collect our response. So again, these are some strategies that you can use that will really help you strengthen your ability to introduce that pause before responding in conversations, especially between stimulus and response, so that it can lead you to more thoughtful and effective communication. All right, we're going to jump into part two. This is the meaty part of our episode together. I'm really excited about this part. So to all my listeners out there, throw me a big yes in the chat box if you are ready to dive into some juicy bits, some drama, as I like to call it. Who is with me? Who's in the chat box? If you're not with me, I, I invite you to minimize any screens, close any doors, come back to me. I see some yeses coming in the chat box. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me. So this part is great. And I say drama because drama is wisdom. Yes. And you're welcome. Eileen says, thanks for those strategies. Absolutely. And I'm glad that they are helpful and I'm able to contribute those. All right. So we know the guest pain points, right? We heard it in their own words and we repeated it back to them to make sure that we understood we're hearing them correctly. So now we're ready to do what I call the work, right? So I want to first think about expressing empathy to our guests by saying, I'm hearing your situation. I'm hearing what you're telling me, right? It sounds like a lot. It sounds like it's really challenging for you. Whoa, that sounds really stressful. That sounds really hard. That sounds like you're going through a lot and it's really discouraging to you, right? Wow, man, you sound really angry. Or I might say, oh, are you disappointed? Or are you feeling disappointed right now? So again, I'm kind of Casting back some feelings that I think that I'm hearing and I'm asking them, you know, are you, are you angry? Are you feeling disappointed? And it's a question. I'm not telling them. It's an open-ended question. And I'm asking, I hope I have that right. Is that what's going on for you? And I want you to know I'm here with you, right? So that's that empathy. All right. So we've got the empathy out of the way and we, we take a moment now and we're noticing our in-breath and our out-breath. And I'm doing this now to hold space. I want to hold space for our guest, right? And I want them to know, depending on how challenging their situation is for them, somebody put in the chat, you know, I want to learn how to communicate with families around difficult topics. Okay, so when someone's sharing a difficult, challenging topic with you, even sitting in silence with them, holding that space is empathy. Breathing in, breathing out, being able to hold yourself grounded and be there with them and just holding that space they know that you're there with them is so very important too. Dr. Marshall Rosenberg, he's the founder of the Center for Nonviolent Communication. You can learn more about him at www.cnvc.org, centerfornonviolentcommunication.org. 
he teaches us that there are four steps in this four-step pathway. That's what we're going to work through in the second part of this episode. And the first one is observations that we see. The second one is the feelings that come from the observation. The third one is the underlying needs that drive the feelings. And the fourth step is the request we make to enrich life for us. Observation, feelings, needs, requests. It's also in your workbook. If you scan that QR code, you'll have a copy of that framework. Are you taking advantage of our new amazing feature? The certificate tracker. The free CE tracker allows you to keep track of all of your CEUs, whether they are earned with us at speechtherapypd.com or through another provider. Simply upload your certificate to your registered account and you're all set. So come join the fastest growing CE provider, speechtherapypd.com. I'd like to start with step one, which is observations. And what we're going to do is we're going to help this guest frame their story in a way that's just an observation now. We're going to kind of pull out and remove the evaluation and the judgment. So what we're learning now is how do we make the shift? We're shift makers, right? How do we make the shift away from criticism, blame, and judgment into this new space now where we are connecting with what's going on for us? These are our feelings and our needs, okay? This is also our third objective for this episode, bringing self-awareness to one's own feelings and needs through this self-reflection process. And here's why it's important that we do this, guys. It's very beneficial to journal. Some of you may journal, some of you may not. But journaling your experience after the fact has a lot of benefits. If you write down what happened as it freely flows from you, you're just writing it down, right? Use all the anger terms, the frustration, the judgment, the criticism, let it rip, right? You can put that all down. It's your thinking mind just coming onto paper. But when the emotions have settled, it's even more beneficial to go back and rewrite this using the nonviolent communication format, the four steps. Because what you're doing now is you're allowing yourself to pull out from this narrow focus that you have to see, this was the picture that you had. I don't know if you could see a small circle here on my hand. And now I'm zooming out to have this even bigger picture. And guess what, friends? In this even bigger picture right here, this is where the learning happens, not in our small little narrow focus. And I know you know that, right? When we zoom out and we see the bigger picture, this is where the learning is. This is where Newfound connections are formed with your coworkers, with people in your personal life. This is where empathy lies and so on. This is where the beauty is. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it. We're going to do about three of them because I, I kind of pulled apart the guest story to us. And I saw that there seemed to be three clear different situations that were challenging for our guest. And I'm going to be in the chat box a lot. So come back to the chat boxes. I'm going to copy and paste so we can work through this together. We can learn how to reframe sentences. Okay, so I'm going to take this first sentence here. And again, this these are the exact words from our guest. And I popped it into the chat box so that you will have a visual. But I'm going to read it. As a contract SLP in a school, I've experienced a micromanagement atmosphere. Micromanagement. There's a judgment term. One of the campus special education coordinators often wrote emails. Often's kind of vague. Often's a vague word. And when things are vague, it leaves room for interpretation and arguments. They wrote email CC to the head of the district special ed department, my direct manager, and all administrators at the school. I felt discouraged and angry, to be very honest, though 
I realized her main intention was most likely to protect herself and her job. So there, we're making a guess. We're guessing what somebody's main intention might be. And this can be treading into dangerous waters. I let her know it was discouraging and she seemed sincere. Again, this is our judgment or criticism or our evaluation or diagnosis of what we think someone is. When she said that in the future, she would run issues by me before sending emails, but she continued to send these negative emails. So again, we're judging the emails as negative, never talking with me first. And I want you to know, as we're going through this, I'm not uh, being judgy of judginess, but we did get permission to use this information for teachable moments because this class is really about learning how to reframe our thinking. And this is, there's nothing wrong with this. There's no right. There's no wrong, right? But we're reframing, we're making that shift, okay? So so the work or our exercise is now to say the same exact idea, what we've got right there in the chat box, in a more neutral way, right? Doing so moving away from that judgment and blame or those vague terms like these, often, likely, and we wanna be a, a bit more concrete, okay? All right, so let me cut and paste uh, these words into the chat box so everyone can see what we're going to reframe this. Um, okay, so these are gonna be my words now, not the words of the guest, but suggestions, an invitation on how to share information in a compassionate, non-judgmental way with just the facts. So here's what I might say if I'm reframing this. As a contract SLP in a school, I have received five to six emails copied to three higher up professionals. Two of those emails being received after the SPED coordinator personally told me she would discuss the issues with me first, but did not do so. So there I've reframed it into an observation, removing evaluation. Let's try another one. So the next one I'm sending you are the words of our guest. In addition, this campus coordinator and administrators have been very difficult towards my contract company regarding billing, requiring overly detailed timesheets for me. I was extremely stressed and eventually left the position at the school as well as the contract company. So again, if I want to reframe this into an observation free from judgment, criticism, or blame so that others will hear me and keeping it in a way that's neutral and still sharing the same information, these are my words. It's an invitation. So I would say the campus coordinator and administrators have requested minute by minute breakdowns of activities on my timesheets and expressed to my contract company four times that they needed this information from my contract company in order to pay the invoices. I was extremely stressed and left the job one week later. I left the contract company at the same time. So what I'm doing is I am extracting now the facts, removing them away from any opinions. And just like we do when we're doing observations for our clients or our students, we're pulling out the things that we can measure. And then what we're doing is we're reframing, um, again, pulling out the evaluations, the opinions, the judgments, but we're keeping feelings words as well. Let's look at this next example. I was tempted to go to the district special education head and let her know how awful this micromanagement atmosphere was for me, as well as my therapy assistants. Should I have reported my experiences to the district head and or campus administrators? Why are SLPs often treated disrespectfully in the schools? 
Do other SPED professionals and school administrators have any idea how many responsibilities SLPs have? How can SLPs change these destructive job situations? So again, when we look at words like how awful this micromanagement atmosphere was, this is very alive. This is very real. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we want to communicate, to get our needs met, to have someone in the higher ups listen to us, to have their ears open to us without going into a place of defense or reactivity, we have to find a way to reframe our communication where we are staying objective and non-blaming. So the listener is open to receiving the information. I also noted here that the guest put, um, that this was awful for me as well as my therapy assistants. And I would recommend never speaking on behalf of others. I would invite you to speak solely on your own experience unless someone gave permission for you to share. Like if an SLP or another SLPA said to you, oh, you can tell them that I'm going through, you know, this exact same thing and you have that permission. I would keep it again with uh, your own feelings and needs. And again, why are SLPs treated disrespectfully in schools? So this, again, is making an assumption that all SLPs maybe are treated that way and some may not agree. So anytime we take a collective stance for everybody, we might run into some difficulty if not everybody agrees with that. And anytime we're leaving that door open and people are interpreting it differently, we could create more conflict and more challenges. And how can SLPs change these destructive job situations? So again, destructive being a strong judgmental word, but all very real, all very true, all very much our guests experience. And we are there with them through that. And we want to make sure that their needs are met and that they're being heard and that they feel confident advocating for what it is that they need. So the compassionate communication strategies are there to support them, to give them their boundaries, to give them their, their boost in their self-confidence, because now they know the words that they need to share and express without coming from a place of negativity or blame or judgment. That's again, going to close off the listener's ears. So I reframed this and let's take a look. I'm going to pop it in the chat box. So some of you get an idea here of how we can reframe this more objectively. And again, this is reframing in my own words, hypothetically. I don't know all the details and all the facts, but I put, I was tempted to go to the district special education head and let her know that I've been asked for minute by minute detailed timesheets each day, that I received two emails that were CC'd to three higher up professionals after I was told this would not happen unless I was directly talked to first. And to tell the district head that my SLPA, and I would say their name, gave me permission to share that they said, I am uncomfortable at work. Should I have reported my experiences to the district head and or campus admin? Why am I, so again, bringing it back to our own experience, why am I experiencing this in the school where I work? Do other SPED professionals and school administrators have knowledge about my SLP responsibilities? How can I change my situation. All right, so that is the observation piece. Does anybody have any questions before we move on to feelings? And if you, your question comes up later, we can put it to the side and we can answer at the end. But our observations are just making sure again that we're kind of going back and just putting the facts, removing evaluation, blame, and judgment. Step two now of Marshall's observation, feelings, needs, requests is to hone in on feelings. And again, this is in that workbook. So our task here is what we're doing is we're going to bring 
an awareness to our feelings, right? When we're sensing this challenge or this conflict. And when we've come into this intentional awareness and we identify whatever feelings are coming up for us or for a lot are alive for us in this moment, now we can shift. Again, we're shift makers, right? We're shifting into this conscious understanding of what are our met or unmet needs that are driving these feelings, okay? And we're taking responsibility and accountability for our emotions, sometimes a very hard pill to swallow. More on that later. (laughs) So for the purpose of this exercise, um, again, you were provided a word bank of feelings and you can go back and use those whenever you are writing your messages, your emails, your texts, and they're universal feelings, feelings that we can all relate to. And we're building that self-awareness when I'm upset, when I'm challenged, when I have conflict, what's burning up in me right now? What am I feeling? Am I feeling hopeless? Am I feeling discouraged, angry, upset, alone? Am I feeling uh, mad, right? These are things that, that come up a lot in the workplace when we have conflict and challenges. So when our needs are met, though, we might have some basic feelings such as I feel amazed. I feel comfortable. I feel hopeful, joyous, proud, relieved, inspired. I feel energetic and thankful. I feel touched. I feel trustful, right? So a lot different than when our needs are not met and we are angry and annoyed and discouraged or embarrassed or frustrated, okay? So our unmet needs and our met needs drive our emotions. That's why we take responsibility. So now I'd like to kind of explore what feelings might be alive for our guest when you think about this conflict or challenge? And the guest may be listening and can uh, bring awareness to those feelings on, on what's what's going on for them, what was going on for them. Now, we heard some of those feelings in their message. Okay, so here was the message. Listen for those feeling words. I felt discouraged and angry, to be very honest though I realized her main intention was most likely to protect herself and her job. I let her know it was discouraging and she seemed sincere when she said in the future she would run issues by me before sending emails. I was extremely stressed and eventually left the position as well as the contract company, okay? So if I'm showing active listening and empathy, I could, you know, again, recast back to the guests what I heard them say they were feeling. It sounds like, you're feeling discouraged and the situation has you extremely stressed and it's even making you angry. Is that right? And again, we do that back with our parents, with our clients, and we can also be intuitive. Again, if it's not said and we we're we're thinking, oh no, this person seems like they're feeling this way. We can ask, are you feeling hopeless? And again, that gives that opportunity for them to clarify, but it lets them know we're here with you. Marshall Rosenberg, he also emphasizes a really simple yet important relationship between feelings and needs, right? So those emotions, they're the wisdom. They're the wisdom that tell us whether our needs are being met or unmet. So emotions or feelings, they're just this reflection of whether our needs are satisfied or not. And if they're not satisfied, we need to get our needs met, right? And needs are this this human, just these universal human requirements that really underlie our feelings. And these needs, they can include things such as, and again, this is this is in your, your workbook as well, but needs could be things like you have a need for connection, you have a need for support, for autonomy, 
for understanding. You have a need for safety. If those needs aren't met, they drive certain feelings and emotions. So Rosenberg really tells us to pay attention to our feelings as signals because they're going to guide us towards understanding those underlying needs. And by identifying and expressing our needs, we can communicate them much, much, much more authentically and about, you know, coming from a place of who we really are. And we can begin to work towards finding these solutions that are going to address the needs. That's that's the goal, right? Like, let's strategize now on ways we can meet these needs. My needs, your needs, everybody's needs matter. So nonviolent communication or compassionate communication, it really promotes this idea that recognizing and empathetically addressing needs can now lead to more compassionate and effective communication. So why? Because now we're, we're, we're in this space together in our, in our communication and we're bringing it back to ourselves. We're sensing our own feelings and needs and we're shifting away from those moral judgments, right? That blame, criticism, analysis, diagnosis, or maybe even comparison, that comparing mind, right? That happens a lot with social media when we're sitting there and we're comparing ourselves to others or we're comparing others to others, right? It's moving away from this blame game of who's right, who's wrong, who needs to be punished and, and so on. And we're connecting now back to our heart space, right? And we're taking that responsibility for, for, for fulfilling those needs that haven't been met and strategizing ways to meet those needs, strategies that work for everybody and not just for ourselves. So let's just think about maybe how many feelings were not expressed in this message that the guest shared that weren't verbally expressed, right? How often do we share our message with others without necessarily stating what our universal feelings are, right? Or that are alive for us. Let's, let's take a practice sentence. I'm going to throw it in the chat box here. I'm going to copy and paste this sentence for everybody to take a look at. All right. In this sentence, I'm kind of left to guess what the guests may be feeling. So it says, as a contract SLP in a school, I've experienced a micromanagement atmosphere. So let's think about that. Does anybody want to throw in the chat box what that might feel like to have a micromanagement atmosphere? If we were to reframe this, okay, not trusted, mm -hmm. not trusted, okay? So if you're not trusted, you're having a need for trust, right? And you're feeling, okay, feeling powerless, okay? You're having a need for more say, more autonomy, powerless. It came up in the chat box too, yes, okay, yes. And if we were to reframe this, let me copy and paste this into the chat box as well for everybody to see. We could say something like, as a contract SLP in a school, I have felt frustrated and annoyed by the requirement to give minute by minute detailed timesheets. And you can insert whatever micromanagement you were experiencing, right? But we want to be detailed and specific. We want to put in those observations, right? Or um, as a contract SLP in a school, um, I have felt annoyed and I have a need for more trust. Or as a contract SLP in a school, I have felt um, discouraged. I have a need for more autonomy and power over my choices, right? So we could reframe it. All right. So now that we've established some feelings, we've got maybe stressed. Um, the guest told us they were discouraged. The guest told us they were angry. Let's try to now see what needs were not met in the situation for our guest. And you can look over your needs inventory. If you have it in your workbook, we can see if we can come up with a few together as well. 
For those of you that don't have the needs work, uh, the needs chart in front of you, let me read off a few from our chart. And again, grab that handout. It's going to be really useful in reframing your communication for your text, your emails, your social posts, definitely your social posts, your conversations, your chats that you're having. All right, some basic needs we all have is autonomy, and that's the need to choose our own dreams or goals. We've got integrity, the need for integrity. You know, we've got the need for meaning or for self-worth or for creativity. We've got the need for this interdependence, right? Acceptance, appreciation, the need for closeness, the need for emotional safety, for honesty, love, the need for respect, support, trust, understanding, right? Um, here's a good one. I have a need for fun and play and laughter. Some people have a need for spiritual communion, right? Which could be order or harmony or peace. These are all different needs and basic needs that we all have. So let's jump back into our chat. And as I'm reading this guest statement, feel free to kind of guess at what some possible needs might be that our guest is having. And again, these are guesses. And I'm going to put, again, some needs in the chat box for those of you that don't have the workout handy. There are some for you. All right, feel free to guess. I'm going to go ahead and read them off. You could just pop some thoughts in the chat box as I piecemeal some of these, these sentences. As a contract SLP in a school, I have experienced a micromanagement atmosphere. So we kind of talked about that. What do you think if we used uh, some of the needs that I mentioned from that needs box there? What would be some needs that we're hearing that our guest has that is unmet? Again, micromanagement atmosphere. Which one of these sticks out? So I'm hearing autonomy, definitely autonomy. Um, and again, I, I would check in if the guests were here. I mean, I've seen respect and support in the chat box. Yes, respect, integrity. I'm seeing integrity in the chat box. I'm seeing autonomy and that there's a lack of harmony and peace. Yes, I'm seeing trust, a need for trust in the chat box, acceptance. Yes, thank you to my 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 uh, community in the chat box. I'm loving seeing you there. It meets my needs for community. So thank you so much. It meets my needs for contribution. Thank you. All right, let's go on to the next one because I know we're, we're dwindling down on time. One of the special education coordinators, so listen for the needs, guys. One of the special education coordinators often wrote, Email CC to the head of the district's bed department, my direct manager at the contract company and all administrators at the school. I felt discouraged and angry to be honest, though I realized her main intention was most likely to protect herself and her job. I let her know it was discouraging and she seemed sincere when she said in the future she would run issues by me before sending emails, but she continued to send these negative emails, never talking with me first. What are we hearing that our guest needs here? Definitely some needs. I'm going to go over to the chat. Okay. So we've got emails that are being sent out without prior discussion. We've got a disconnect. What do you think our needs are? I'm seeing authenticity. I'm seeing a need for consideration. Yes. Consideration, authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I was thinking consideration as well, Margaret. Yes. I'm thinking, uh, yes. And respect. I was thinking a need for respect, a need for trust. I was thinking a need for dependability, that if this is our agreed upon, our mutually agreed upon that you said, and I understood that you were going to connect with me first before sending out these emails, then I'm thinking I want to be able to depend on that, right? So dependability, yes. All right, let's do another one. In addition, the campus coordinator and administrators have been very difficult towards my contract company regarding billing, requiring 
requiring overly detailed timesheets from me. I was extremely stressed and eventually left the position at the school as well as the contract company. All right, what are we hearing that our guest needs here? Okay, we've got uh, difficulty between the, the campus and the contract company, or I'm sorry, the, the yep, regarding billing. We're being asked for overly detailed timesheets. I'm stressed. I left the position and I left the company. What was this person needing? What are our guesses? And there's no wrong answers. Same as when you're in a conversation with somebody, there are no wrong answers to guessing what their needs may be. And you can ask them. You can say, because sometimes people don't know what they're needing. You can be in a conversation with a parent or an advocate or in a uh, an IEP meeting where it's the fourth meeting about the same student and we haven't gotten to where we want to be yet. And we need to ask, you know, what are you needing right now? Are you needing more support? Are you needing more? And I see uh, someone's jumping in. We've got understanding coming in the chat box. Yes, more understanding. I agree, more understanding. I was thinking more ease too. I think trust was coming up again. A lot of these are, are circling around, right? Because they can, we can use them a lot. They can come up a lot for us. All right, let's try one more. I was tempted to go to the district special ed head and let her know how awful this micromanagement atmosphere was for me, as well as my therapy assistants. Should I have reported my experiences? Why are SLPs often treated disrespectfully in the schools? Do other SPED professionals and school admins have any idea how many responsibilities SLPs have? How can SLPs change these destructive job situations? What are we hearing that our guest needs here? Appreciation. Yes, I'm seeing appreciation. And how good does that feel? How good does it feel when we are appreciated for what we do and what we bring and what a difference it can make in the outcome, right? The outcome of so many different things, our relationships, our therapy, our work, our personal lives once we get home from work. So we're not dumping everything on whoever we're coming home to, right? Just having that appreciation. Yes. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, maybe a, uh, a need for a little bit of ease and peace with the team or maybe a need for uh, others to be able to really understand SLP professions and duties. And I'm hearing a need for consideration, right? And maybe autonomy around these timesheets and uh, a need for respect maybe from other staff members in the school. Yes, so once we have identified the needs and we threw out a lot of needs here, right? Our guest is having a lot of real needs that are alive for them. And once we've identified these, the speaker or our guest could reframe it to say, I'm feeling discouraged because I have a need for consideration and respect. I'm feeling stressed because I value autonomy or I'm feeling angry because trust and, and dependability are really important to me. I value those. And when we put that together with our observations, when we put the feelings and needs together with our observations, we could say something like this. When I'm asked to give minute by minute details of my timesheets, I feel stressed because I value autonomy. And when two to three emails are sent to, to three higher ups after we discuss that I would be informed first, but I wasn't. I feel angry because trust is really important to me. Or we might say something like, I didn't report this information to, to the district special ed head and, and let her know because I was, I was feeling worried and overwhelmed because I was needing more ease, honestly, and, and more acceptance in my role and relationships. Okay. 
So I kept it all about me without blame and judgment to others. I'm bringing it all back to my observation, my neutral observation, free of evaluation and judgment and blame. And I'm sharing my feelings, universal feelings that we can all relate to that are con- that are driven by my needs. I take responsibility for feeling this way because I've got these unmet needs, right? And that's what's triggering these emotions. Because if my need was met, I wouldn't be feeling this way. But here are my needs. And I'm again, I'm keeping it about myself. And if we were to flip this for a second, as a listener to the guest, I may recast what I'm hearing and, and we could say something like, okay, so you're feeling discouraged because you were needing respect. Is that right? And, and you're feeling stressed because you value autonomy and that's important to you, right? Is there anything else that you want to share about your feelings or your needs or do you feel complete on this? And what this does is this opens the invitation now for our speaker to share more if they want to, or to say that, no, I I got it off my chest. I was able to really say everything I wanted to say. So that brings us to our fourth step in our last five minutes here, our fourth step of the process, which is requests. And requests is making a request to enrich the quality of your life, right? Not at the expense of another person's well-being, though. So I want to guide you through this piece quickly to ensure that when we're making requests, we are making requests that are very clear, actionable, and positive. So to my guest out there who may be listening, would you tell me, based on your situation, to whom you would like to make a request? And I know you're no longer in your contract company or at that school, but who would you have liked to make a request to? So if the guest is listening, they can ponder that. They were still in their position. They may want to make a request to the contract company or to the SPED department head or to the person sending the emails. And we get really clear on the action we're requesting. And we begin with a sentence starter. I would like, or would you be willing to? So if I said, hey, I noticed I'm being asked to give minute by minute detailed timesheets. I feel irritated. I'm needing trust and autonomy. Would you, to the SPED director, be willing to meet me next week for 30 minutes to discuss strategies to meet both of our needs so we have clear, actionable, and positive requests. Or I might say, I've noticed I received two more emails after we spoke about not sending emails unless we had that direct conversation first. And I feel really upset about this. I'm needing dependability. Would you, when we're saying this to the email sender, be willing to call me on the phone to talk with me before you send your next email CCing the SPED team. And if you haven't reached me on the phone, kindly wait to send those emails. So we put it all together. Observation, feeling, need, request. Here's what I see. Here's what I feel. Here's what I'm needing. Would you be willing to meet this need? All right, I want to head to my chat box. We're closing out. And as I'd like to close now, I want to kind of check in again with everybody who's here. What's alive for you right now in the moment before we head into questions, if you have any. If you want to popcorn some feelings you're having after this episode together, I invite you to do so. I'd love to know how this landed for you. Was it informative? Is it helpful? Are you learning? Was there any strategies that that popped out? Feel free to go ahead and share that in the chat box now. I'm excited that all of you are here. And after you've had, after this episode has passed, right, you've had time to digest it, you can always kind of go back and, and ask yourself, what did I enjoy about this process? What didn't I enjoy about this compassionate communication? Or what questions do I still have? Or what seemed to work in what Stephanie shared? Or maybe what, what didn't seem to, to work? 
And you can do the same on reflecting on your own challenges. Again, journaling them out, reflecting back what you may or or may not do differently the next time you find yourself in a similar situation. And if you're feeling uh, joy or excited or proud after you've used some compassionate communication strategies, always remember to give yourself some celebration on your accomplishments and your growth. All right, let's end our session now again with gratitude to our guest for sharing their struggles and their pain points. Thank you to the guest. Just want to take a, a moment for a, a deep breath in and out. Coming to a close now in our time together before we open it up to questions. Again, just everybody now, we had a lot of information coming at us, breathing in and out. So much gratitude for all of you, for your participation in the chat box. Eileen says, thank you. Yes, absolutely. This really, again, met my need for com connection and, and community and just to be able to contribute to our field. So thank you. Remember to download a free guide, the, the workbook that has a four-step pathway, some script phrases, the framework that you can use to support you in any challenge or conflict that comes up for you personally or professionally. You can find more information about me on my website at goldenstateofmindpd.com. PD is in professional development. goldenstateofmindpd.com. My Instagram is golden.state.slp. My LinkedIn is Stephanie Michelle Swigert. You can also join my email list to receive free resources as it relates to mindfulness and building your presence and compassionate communication in your personal and professional life. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you next time for episode two. Thank you for joining us for today's course. To complete the course, you must log into your account and complete the quiz and the survey. If you have indicated that you are part of the ASHA registry and entered both your ASHA number and a complete mailing address in your account profile prior to course completion, we will submit earned CEUs to ASHA. Please allow one to two months from the completion date for your CEUs to reflect on your ASHA transcript. Please note that if this information is missing, we cannot submit to ASHA on your behalf. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Thanks for joining us at SLP Learning Series. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. If you like this and want to hear more, we are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast. Type the word SLP Learn for $20 off. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with the code. Visit speechtherapypd.com and start earning ASHA CEUs today.